start scrolling your news feed and you don't even realise you're doing it. You just like sh- scrolling, double tapping, <laughs> scrolling. And next thing you know, you get to that point where it's like, you're all caught up and you're like... <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of successful failures if you're new i'm rebecca and i'm almina and in this podcast we interview some really interesting people uh, talk about their failures and challenges and how it set them on the path to success and we're super excited for who we have on today yeah so today we have the pleasure of sitting down with jordan goodman aka at law student in leeds who suppressed prize as a law student um but he is also a content creator on instagram youtube he also has a blog and a really good podcast called the legal social club and he also works alongside that in like a normal job as a social strategist so we're going to be talking to him about all his endeavors and before we even get into that firstly thank you so much jordan for joining us and we also have to say congratulations Congratulations, because there have been so many successes recently in your life. Uh, you're a recent homeowner, you got a first class in your second year, and you also got a promotion. So even though we're going to be talking about failures, we have to say congratulations on all your successes first. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> yes, um, that's the best introduction I've ever had, to be honest. So, <laughs> yes, I'm... <laughs> I'm Jordan. Uh, I've just finished my second year um, studying law at the University of Law. Um, hopefully, towards the end of a uh, currently getting towards the end of a training contract cycle. So God knows what's going to happen there. I've got a few interviews in place, but we never know. Um, yeah. So I work in digital marketing as a search strategist. Very recently, I just got promoted, and um, yeah, uh, that's that's really me to be honest. Just plain and simple. Looking forward to the interview for sure. But of course, you know, before we get into the main questions, we have to talk about what we failed at this week. So, Elmin, I'm going to come to you first and ask you what you failed at this week. Um, Today, my one is quite funny. It happened two days ago. My failure was just not checking TFL because in the UK, there have been like flash floods in London. And I was like going out for dinner to see my friend before she like went back home, like to a different country. And as soon as I got to my tube stop, severe delays. I get on the tube stop. It takes me 20 minutes to get from one stop to the next. And then I'm like, okay, I have to get out of here. Like I'm running late. I check Uber, an, uh, an Uber ride that would normally cost like 15 pounds is 60 pounds. Oh, <laughs> I was no like, way. I was like, there's no way. Like I can't, like I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna spend that much on dinner. Like this is just ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I had to get like an Uber to somewhere else and then take a tube line that was working like literally there were only two tube lines that didn't have problems in London which was just ridiculous um and yeah so I arrived and it was also pouring with rain it was like thunderstorm so I arrived at this dinner like broke like <laughs> wet like it was just the most like awful yeah just not a nice way to arrive to dinner oh but it ended gosh. up being a lovely dinner so like it turned around but yeah just now I'm just broke and upset <laughs> <laughs> it oh was my fine. God, I didn't even fine. know that was happening. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It's supposed to be summer. Like, it's just been raining all the time in London, which is so annoying. But whatever, we're over it. Um, but, Jordan, oh what about you? What have you felt at this week? 
Um, so my failure is actually to do with my job. So even though I've just got a promotion, I've already failed at it because I missed <laughs> quite an important deadline. Um, we had a client strategy meeting and um, the deadline was yesterday um, to get everything submitted and um, final kind of amendments sorted. Um, and I completely forgot about it. So... I didn't have very good words with my boss. Um, it wasn't exactly the nicest conversation, but he, he, I didn't get shouted at, which is the main thing. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of like just being promoted to this role and then I failed it <laughs> about a week later. So oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's not exactly the, the best scenario, but I suppose it just, you learn things from it, don't you? I've, yeah. I've started putting things on my calendar a little bit more now, saying like, deadline is today, do this, <laughs> do everything else at a later day um so yeah i basically failed at my job before i've really got into it so <laughs> that's my failure you live and you learn right you live and exactly, you learn. exactly exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay rebecca you're last up what have you found out this Me? week um i guess so once again i i tried to start on doing the whole uh getting back into home workouts thing and you know it worked for like a, a good few days consecutively um and then it kind of went downhill from there. So, yeah, that's like a failure because it was going well. It was going really well this time. But, yeah, no. You're going to pick it back up today? We've still got a few hours. Today? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is not <laughs> confident. Convincing, yeah. yeah really convincing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well, hopefully, you know, our organisation will be better this week. Our fitness will be better yeah. this week. All of that. So we'll go into this week with some new energy. Um, but, yes. Okay, now back to you Jordan with the whole interview and of course as I mentioned you have your own podcast called the Legal Social Club I've already listened to some episodes and I can already say it's a really really good podcast I'm biased because I'm also going to become a law student but it is <laughs> such a good podcast and of course we have to ask you what failures you've experienced with your podcast um, just running it in general. So I think the biggest failure that I've experienced is not understanding how much time goes into a podcast. So people just assume that it's essentially click record and upload it. Um, <laughs> whereas a 45 minute episode actually takes to get it from, from recording to actually finishing alongside the promotional material, promotional material, things like that. It, it takes like a week basically mm -hmm. as a yeah. minimum <laughs> and you've got everything else that comes in. It's such a hard, and I think people just think, Oh well, where, where's your um, where's your next episode? Like you released one last week, and I'm like, yeah, I've only just finished that one. Like, <laughs> it, it went out yesterday because I've been up till like one a.m. trying to edit it because there's so many, and I think alongside that as well is um, not only the time that you put into a podcast, but also trying to find guests and waiting for them to respond obviously i'm terrible i, I can apologize i'm very terrible i say this but i'm the worst at replying completely no, like, honestly you've been terrible. better than a lot of people that we've known <laughs> some people just add us completely so <laughs> <laughs> well um yeah you, that another thing as well is reaching out to those people and then trying to find a schedule around them um and then just basically the overall time that goes into it is so much longer than you would think i initially mm -hmm. went into it thinking oh you you make a few nice graphics um you make a few posts to put on um on instagram to promote it um you record and you and you kind of send it off um but that's definitely not I, I edit it with um, iMovie, so I like basically have to take the video, take the clips out, uh, take the clips out the videos, and it's just audio, and then mm. 
cutting out every single like pause or if like because we we bleep out swear words on ours so i have to put bleeps in there and then there's like <laughs> little things in between honestly it's, it takes so long and then the recording itself you, you're like oh, i'll schedule an hour to do this and it turns out to be like one and a half hours two hours and then that's what takes so long to edit it because you have to watch it all the way through and listen to it but actually you've then got to pause in between to take this bit out and replace that with this and then <laughs> yeah it's it's just honestly that that's my failure not realizing how much time goes into it and um now understanding that it's it's definitely a learning curve that I experienced at the beginning and still now like it takes so long still now to edit the pop you'd think that streamlined it a little bit more but I really haven't like it's <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress I don't know if you guys agree but yeah I mean, yeah, this has been a really big learning curve. Rebecca does most of the editing and I do most of the social media side, so it's nice having, like, two people to split it between. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, just so much work. But you also have a YouTube channel as well. Have you? Which one do you find, like, harder? Because YouTube, you also have, like, film on top of that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, that's a tough one, actually. Um, I think... I find scheduling time to do YouTube a little bit more difficult because um, with the podcast, it's like scheduled every two weeks that we have to have a new episode out and we have to record the week before. So it's in the diary constantly, whereas YouTube, I'm kind of like as and when. Um, but I did a, yeah, I did like an exam season vlog. Um, the, it must have been about a month ago now that I uploaded it um, and that took forever to upload it was essentially the full week the full two weeks and then I eventually thought no, I can't just put this out because it's such a long vlog and it's going to take forever to edit so I've started trying to um, as I've got the clips like after I've um, recorded a, a kind of a, a little clip to put into the video I, I cut it down after I've done it so I upload it straight to my uh, computer and then and then edit it so then that bit's done and then there's only a final few checks after the the full video is complete but the podcast is definitely harder to edit because everything else around it come but even Instagram's such a hard thing to keep up with like there was like last towards the end of last year I got a little bit too obsessed with it and I was like I have to pause daily it have to look it has to look the exact same I have to write long captions like it was just such a lengthy process um and then scheduling all these posts and doing the youtube doing the podcast alongside it um trying to write blogs even though i haven't done that in a long time i just end up filling my plate with too many things in fact that's probably my failure overall is <laughs> filling my yeah filling my plate with too many different things and then not being able to keep up with it essentially um <laughs> but yeah the podcast definitely takes up most of the time definitely that's so interesting I was literally, yeah. like, going to ask, like, how you even balance doing so much. I, Red Bull. Just Red Bull. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, there's no other explanation. I don't know how, because obviously I work my normal nine to... Well, I actually work eight till half past four. Um, at the moment, it's all right to balance it because um, we're on, like, a summer break until September. So, But then again, my time's also being filled with trying to paint the new house and take this down and do that. So that that's taken up a lot of time. But, um, yeah, it, I, I don't know how 
I do it to be honest. The social life takes a hit because you have to work throughout the day, and then I study from five o'clock till nine o'clock in the evening. And I, I try, I try and do long weekdays, and I've got my weekends free, and that's when I can do a little bit of content planning. Um, I, I genuinely don't know. I think it's just a routine that I've got into where I've thought you have to get this done. It has to be done, um, and it's more of like the mindset that you switch into. So I think. If it's something you're really passionate about, you will find the time to do it, I suppose, within reason. You don't want it to just be like you're up till 3 a.m. every day yeah. <laughs> and then waking up at 7 starting again. Um, I definitely think that if you have the passion for something that you do it in, and it turns out my, the biggest passion for me is social media mixed with law. Um, <laughs> it, it's just something that, that works and I enjoy doing it. It doesn't feel like I'm doing work style stuff. Um, it doesn't feel like I'm doing the podcast for a work reason. I'm doing Instagram content for a work reason. I'm doing it for more like a, a, a leisurely reason, yeah. I suppose. Uh, but there's definitely times where I think oh, I, I should probably cut an avenue. I just don't know which avenue I'd want to cut, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I um, mean, kind of on that point, you know, you you talked about how it takes a lot of time right now and it's a huge commitment, even though it's fun. But was there kind of like a decisive failure or turning point that contributed to where you are today and maybe any particular experience that motivated you to want to start helping other students through the content that you create? Yeah, so I think in terms of the first part of that, the failure that, the probably the biggest failure that I faced was when I was studying um, AS levels. Um, I, I really wanted to go to university and study law. Um, and obviously you 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 don't need to get amazing grades but you just need to you need to do pretty okay um and i my first year of uh, a levels on my as levels i came out with cdu and i was like oh well i'll have to take the year again i'll have to um be pushed back a year and i won't be able to do what i want to do and at, at that point you kind of think to yourself like well that's it my plan's over like i don't know what to do i'm never going to make it um anyway I, I like begged the head of sixth form to be able to let me go through to um, second year of A levels and just get like let me retake all of my AS level exams. Um, I think I retook five AS levels and then I had six A two level exams um, in my second year. So it was just this, this is where I think the motivation came to just like work hard because I started to just sit at. I, obviously turn 18 at that point as well so you're legally allowed to drink and things <laughs> like that but um I was sat at the table most nights just thinking I need to get these grades um anyway retook all my AS levels um and my A2 in the same year and came out with ABB so that was like wow. a massive turning point for me where I thought like I almost I, I failed essentially I got, I got two fails the two years I had to drop and then I had to do two years worth of drama in one year luckily I'm oh a very dramatic gosh. person so <laughs> it worked out for me um but that was a turning point where I thought if you fail at the first hurdle, that doesn't mean that it's completely over for you. Um, you, the motivation and the drive that you get from failing is actually a lot more valuable than if you just consistently being a success because you don't you don't really face that that issue of oh god this is not going to go to plan. I'm going to have to look at alternative alternative options. So I think that definitely was the 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 failure that motivated me to do well I didn't end up going on to go to university in the end until I turned 22 
So 2019 is when I actually started university because essentially I wanted to build some life skills in um, a creative industry, but also skills that related to a career in law because I knew I wanted to go into law um, as I studied it at A-level. Um, so I thought, well, the creativity side of it, but also the client facing, the teamwork, the communication side of it comes into digital marketing. Um, so that fit perfectly for me. So I've been doing that for about six years now, so doing that alongside my degree. And then just onto the second part of what you were what you were saying, um, I didn't know a lot of, I suppose, I don't want to say legal influences, but like I, I didn't know a lot of legal accounts that worked a full-time job in a completely different industry and studied law. And I thought if there's anyone out there, there's surely got to be other people like me that think I don't know how pe how other people manage that because it might you might have a part time job and like definitely that that helps out massively every job that you have will help out massively in a, a legal career it just depends on the skills that you you get from it but I I didn't know anyone that that worked in a career, an established career that they already had and was trying to do that conversion alongside working still so that's where law student in Leeds came from and that's where I thought I want to start motivating people to say it's hard. It's very hard to even work part-time while studying a degree. Um, the workload's manic, but it's doable. Um, and if someone who failed their A-levels at one point and turned that around and can now do pretty well in the degree whilst working can do it, then anyone can kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, yeah, me too. Going back to like what you first said about failing your first year of A-levels, what do you think most contributed to that? Um, to that failure I think being naive as to how hard it will be I think I went in GCS the G, jump from GCSE to A level everyone says it's a big jump but you don't realize until you're actually doing Literally. it um, <laughs> at GCSEs you can study the night before and then it's yeah. just simply a case of like oh okay start um, <laughs> So going from doing pretty well in my GCSEs, I mean, I didn't get A stars, but doing pretty well in my GCSEs and then going to A level, I thought, oh, well, you're doing, you're only doing three subjects now. So I've got more time to do it. I don't need to really do much studying because I'm all my time's been focused on that. And that's the kind of, uh, that's where I started being naive with it. And when I got my results back, that's when I thought, uh, actually, I probably should have put more effort in. I probably should have put more time in. Um, and just opened my eyes a little bit more because I went in very close-minded thinking, well, I've got these three subjects that I want to study rather than doing, I didn't like science at GCSE and things like that. So now that I'm doing, I think I did English, law, sociology and psychology in my first year and the sociology and psychology is what I failed. But I was like, oh, I love psychology. Like it's so good. Turns out I was actually terrible at it. Um, <laughs> and it was just simply a case of I, I was too close-minded to open a textbook or open my notes and just read through them for half an hour in the, in the evening and just staying up to date with my work. So I think that's why I failed at the first hurdle and then the drive to succeed because I didn't, I didn't fully know that I wanted to go into law until I studied it at A-level. Um, before that, I kind of thought to myself, like, oh, that sounds like an exciting career. Like, <laughs> you just think, I go in for a living and suits and <laughs> legally blonde and things like that. But in reality, it's not. Um, but 
Yeah, I I think the motivation kind of kicked in once I got those results and I thought I never want to see this again. Like, I never want to get to that point where I think, oh, I'll sail through it and you actually don't. I'd rather work harder, get a bit more push and in my studies and basically make sacrifices on other things, for example, maybe a social life. Um, I will never sacrifice sleep. That's something that I'll always prioritise. That's definitely something that I will always make sure that I get, I get enough sleep because otherwise I just can't function. Um, but that was definitely the turning point for me where I thought like, right, this is where I need to mm. kick myself into gear a little bit. <laughs> and in those, um, you mentioned you'd left uh, school at 18, 19? Um, 18, yeah. Yeah, and then you started when you said you're 22, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in that time period, was there any point where you're like, oh, did you know the whole way through that you were going to go back into law? Were there times when you were like, oh, should I go back? Should I not? Should I just stay where I am? Yeah, so I, there was definitely times, I, I knew that I wanted to go into law. And there was definitely times where as I was establishing my career in digital marketing, I thought to myself, like, I'm quite good at this. So do I just kind of sell this out and and just do marketing for the rest of my life? But in the back of my head, there was always a but you've always wanted to be a solicitor. You've always wanted to be a commercial solicitor. Well, not always, but from the age of like 15, 16. Um, so I, there is definitely been times where I thought I'll just stick to digital marketing. I'll stick to, because it turns out that I was pretty good at it and it's a creative industry, but it also has that corporate aspects, I suppose, because I'm working with so many different clients. I work in an agency, so I'm working with so many different clients from a different range of um, industries like manufacturing, um, medical, um, stage curtains, things like that. Just random, random industries that it, it but the, that also links with law in terms of having that commercial awareness. So even though I, I kind of had that thought of do I just stick to digital marketing there was always something like niggling at the back of my mind thinking like no stick to you will you do want to be a lawyer you want to go into law so just see how you get on and then once you get to a point where you feel comfortable thinking right now I'm ready do it and then I got to that point I think it was it was really late on I think it was August August before starting um, so literally a month before university started, I hadn't, that was what my flip, my, like my turning point. I think it was August, 2019. And I was just, I came home from work one day and I just thought now is the time for me to start and establish that career or establish, try and start molding myself into a soon to be lawyer, I suppose. Um, rang up the university of law because they offered a flexible option for me to study online, um, and work full time. Um, yeah, and then about four weeks later, I I was on the course. I was I was sat there with a, a criminal law, uh, not a criminal law book, a uh, contract law book. Um, and then yeah, two years That's down crazy. the line, I'm going into my third year. That's it is crazy. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. And then I'm guessing law student in Leeds was born thereafter and I just have to yeah. say your Instagram is like one of the most beautiful Instagrams I've ever seen like your notes <laughs> your law your notes like I could only dream <laughs> writing such beautiful notes they're incredible <laughs> they really help with studying though like a lot of people say oh it's a waste of time spending a lot of time writing notes but I actually think if I if I want if I'd make them look nice it motivates me more to study 
Otherwise, because mm. if it's just scribbles on a page, I'm like, oh, I don't want to read that. <laughs> Have yeah. you always written such beautiful notes or was it like when you started your Instagram? It was when I started my Instagram, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to create some sort of content. And I thought, oh, well, I'll have a look into calligraphy. So I was um, practicing for age. I, when I mean for ages, seriously, for the first year, it was awful. It was only since like <laughs> September last year where I actually started to get better at it. Um, and then I think that's when it really took off, I suppose, the Instagram side of stuff. Because this time last year, I only had a thousand followers, which is still really good. Um, and then jumped to today, we're like, 300 off having te- yeah nearly yeah. so it's that's what kind of kicked it off and i think that's where the obsession of instagram came into it as well because i was like oh look at these numbers jumping up but i've kind of <laughs> i've got over that now like i'm not i'm not really bothered about the numbers side of things anymore but before it was very much like oh it's not got as many likes as the other one or i've only got this amount of followers i've lost this amount of followers um yeah, there's. I think got you got to an obsessive nature towards Christmas, and then I was like, right, you need to take a st- step back, <laughs> chill out, and just focus on reality a little bit rather than being like, I need to take an Instagram photo to post today. So I've, I've chilled out a little bit now. Good. No, Instagram can get very <laughs> obsessive. It's so yeah, bad. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You do, the thing is as well, what you do is you'll open it and you'll start scrolling your newsfeed and you don't even realise you're doing it. You just like sh- scrolling, double tapping, <laughs> scrolling. And next thing you know, you get to that point where it's like, you're all caught up and you're like, <gasps> how long have I been doing this for? <laughs> and my, I have like a screen limit and it just like tells me to get off and I'm just like, stop making me press the like, just ten, like 15 more minutes. Like, stop, this is embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I had that at one point, but actually I just turned it off in the end because it had run out literally by the morning. So I'm like, all right, well, that's not worth it. <laughs> But on the topic of Instagram, you've mentioned in one of your posts about the importance of trial and error in studying. And we found this really, really interesting um, because obviously not only does it align with our whole podcast, but it was just a really, really interesting post that you did. And we wanted to know if there have been times where you've approached studying. I mean, you've talked about your A-level experience, but um, any other times that you've approached studies in a just a bad or just not particularly good way and what impact this actually had on your results? Yeah, so I, in my first year, I was kind of finding how to manage my time while studying and working, but also trying to find... Um, Kind of a not a routine, I suppose, but uh, a method of study that uh, that worked well for me. Um, I'm a very visual learner. That's why I like to do my notes the way they are. Um, so what I in towards the beginning of my degree, what I used to do is just kind of look on Instagram and try any study method I came across. So if I saw if I was just going through Instagram and saw someone was doing flashcards, I'd be like, right, I'm going to do flashcards today. And then a week later, I'll see someone do the Cornell method. And I'll be like, right, that's what I'm doing. And this is where that trial and error came in where I kept trying all these different methods and they weren't working for me. Well, until I got to Cornell methods. Um, and it was a bit I started to get a bit deflated from it because I thought, well, none of these are working. What What's going to work for me? And eventually I'd, I kind of adapted the Cornell method into how I perceived it, I suppose, and how it works best for me. So um, a lot of people just do the Cornell method where it, it's a one-page thing. You'd put the title at the top, keywords on the side, and the main text, and then a summary at the bottom. But that didn't work for me. I wanted to put a nice, big, juicy title at the top that was... <laughs> 
uh, murder with like stars. <laughs> like it just <laughs> didn't fit with the theme. Um, and then I I just like to write my notes out like as normal rather than just keeping it as a one page thing. I, I might go onto three different pages of Cornell notes, but that's just what worked well for me the the best. And I think linking it back to the trial and error side of things, adapting an idea to suit you or merging different ideas is probably one of the most valuable things that you can do because it's going to work for you more than anyone else because it's the way that you work best basically so whether you think mind maps and the Cornell method work for me how do I incorporate these together it doesn't have to be one or the other um that's the I think that's the the beauty of trial and error is that you can eventually start merging things together and eventually find a a pattern or a routine or a method that really suits how you learn or how you want to study so yeah the trial and error side of things is definitely a massive massive thing in terms of um just studying in general I suppose but general life like everything you need trial and error in everything because I think like what I said earlier if you're constantly going through life being successful you're never going to learn from that you're never going to get those get those lessons and if I never failed my first year of air levels I don't know what would have been happened today I probably would have gone to university straight away and not even got as far do as well as I'm doing now I got as far as I am now because I would I would have just been naive and thinking like oh well, I've never failed at anything before so I just continue to do how I'm doing so yeah that's how trial and error kind of fits in my life I suppose yeah that makes a lot of sense um and actually on that point of how you try different study techniques did you kind of land on the ones that work for you based on kind of how well you were able to absorb the information and how you kind of felt studying or was it more based on the results you would get after studying that way that is a very good question um a mixture of both actually uh i think in my first year it was very much a, a trial and error situation where tried a lot of different things out and um I didn't come across the Cornell method until the beginning of my second year so I didn't really know about it um mm. and I did pretty well in my first year um and I got, I got quite good grades so I was happy with that and I thought well that's it this is a study method that I've got essentially my study method where do mind maps and just write out notes normally as if it was just just literally writing on a blank piece of paper write down your notes and then just rewrite them and then highlight and rewrite them again and rewrite <laughs> them and that was just how I approached it but now doing the Cornell method it's streamlined it a lot more and it's made it a lot quicker for me to study and revise um mm. so I suppose it comes from a sense where I also got good grades doing the, the Cornell method too so I was happy with that but um yeah, it it also felt most comfortable for me to do the um the Cornell method way. I suppose it just it looked it looked pretty, it looked nice. Um, I got to write really fancy, so <laughs> that worked well for me. But it, it turns out, like a lot of people said, it was a waste of time. It wasn't because that was genuinely the thing that worked well for me, and it's paid off because now that I that's something that I actually enjoy. That's how I enjoy studying and I get the grades from it, it's going to be something that I'll continue to do, even through a legal career maybe, depending on what. Because you're always going to need to learn no matter what. You can't yeah, be an expert. Yeah. You can't turn an expert after five years of being a lawyer and never needing to learn anything else because the law changes all the time. So 
I think the Cornell, it'll always be with me. It'll always be uh, <laughs> a part of all the calligraphy and the nice note taking. I'll be taken with me to whatever firm I go to. <laughs> I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and slightly switching track a little bit, outside of law and content creation, what would you say has been your biggest failure in your job as formerly a senior SEO executive and, of course, now as a search? I've had a thought... I've, this is something that I struggled to think about because there's so many failures that I got to where I thought, because <laughs> there's been times where earlier this year, I, I, it might have been due to the pandemic or due to the the workload that I had, I just felt so defeated where I just, I had that much on that I didn't do anything, essentially. I started, I started to just do three hours worth of work a day and then just studying for the rest of the day. Um, Whereas obviously I shouldn't, and if my employer's listening, I'm very sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I I was very defeated at the beginning of the year. I don't know if it was due to the third lockdown we were going into, or like the fact that I hadn't seen my family in a while, um, or just the workload because it was intense. Um, surprisingly, I at the beginning of the first lockdown, I really thought that there's a chance that I could be made redundant, but because of so many businesses that weren't that paused the digital marketing a lot of our clients ramped it up more so my workload doubled like overnight and that was something that was really hard to grasp and I think the failure there is not speaking to someone about it and not basically approaching my manager and saying like this is how I feel this is I'm, I feel like I'm under a, a lot of pressure a lot of stress um and I, I'm not happy here at the moment um if I'd have done that six months earlier I probably would have continued to perform at a good level but um it was definitely a learning curve in terms of that failure of getting to a point where I actually thought so felt so deflated and so like oh it's too long it's been too long now since it's been going on that I can't just approach them and be like I've been feeling like this over the weekend it's like for the past six months I've been feeling like this and they're kind of going to be like well why didn't you approach us in the first place <laughs> obviously eventually I did have uh, have that conversation but in your head you always assume it'd be a lot worse so I had this conversation with a manager and basically explained this is how I've been feeling like I haven't really been performing as well as I have been um, and the first thing he was like, like, oh, I'm really happy you've you've told us, like, we'll support you as much as we can. You should have told us earlier. And in my head, I was thinking they were going to be like, well, that's not good enough. Um, <laughs> you always think the worst, don't you? But I think that failure, like I said, of of going through a phase where I think I was on my own, essentially, with no support, when actually I did have it, I just mm. didn't want to ask for it because... I wasn't sat next to someone in an office. I had to basically send them a message over email or something like that. And it just didn't feel as organic to do mm. it that way. Um, so I think in terms of having, because I, obviously I only recently got promoted, having that conversation and then building a plan moving forward from that of right, how do we get back on track? How do we get Jordan happy again, essentially, <laughs> uh, in his job that... Um, that was the turning point. I think the failure of not doing that was definitely something that helped me get to the role that I'm at now within a short space of time. So yeah, that's, 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 that's my story. <laughs> what do you think was most helpful after having that conversation in making you happy again in your job and sort of outside your job as well? I think, I think the fact that 
support was there, but I was just too naive not to accept it or I was, I was too close-minded to think that it was ever there in the first place. That was definitely something that helped um, me kind of overcome that um, state of despair, let's say. <laughs> um, the the fact that you, you think in your head it's going to be 10 times worse than what it is, and you always will do, and I'm that type of person that always... I've got out of the habit of thinking negatively, but I always go through the worst situation first so then nothing shocks me. Mm. So if I was going through this worst situation where ultimately I thought they're going to say you've been lacking for the past six months, we're going to let you go. Instead, it was a complete opposite. It was like, oh, we really want to support you. Like, we still think you're performing well. We still think you're doing well. We just... um, we want to make sure you're happy in your role because that ultimately job satisfaction is the thing that keeps people at the places where they are. Um, so I think definitely having that support from my manager when essentially I didn't know that I would get it or I, I was thinking of the worst situation possible, that's definitely the turning point for me where I actually realise that not everyone's out to get me, not everyone's <laughs> negative, not everyone <laughs> thinks like me, everyone is genuinely there to support you they want you to succeed and i think kind of going looking at um outside the lines here about that that i think that's what makes the difference between having a boss and having a leader is that having a boss is very much someone that uses you to get their own gratification in terms of taking all the you do the work and they take all the credit xyz not supporting you not helping um whereas the leaders are more like right how can we help you get to the next step how can we help you improve on what you're doing and how can we help you be happy um so i think definitely the support that i got from that conversation instantly made me realize that i weren't simply alone to have to do all this and i can distribute my workload out a little bit more and um just be a little bit more happier at work yeah I love that. I'm so glad you were able to push through that. We love to see it. Um, but Thank kind you. of venturing into that sort of more personal space of your life, um, we always like to discuss failures in all facets of life, and whether it be career or personal. Um, and we we're wondering whether it's with your family or friends, relationships, or even just with yourself, when have you failed? So I think the thing that I let down my mum when I didn't, when I said I didn't want to go to university Mm. at that moment. So first of all, she wasn't too bothered about my A-level results because she, she believed that I could turn it around. Um, But because I worked so hard for it to then say, I won't be going to university. I'm going to go into a job first. Um, she, you could tell she wanted to support me and she did support me. But at the same time, you could tell there was like a glimpse of, oh no, go to university first. But now looking back um, and seeing how I perform now, she completely understands why I went that route. She understands why I wanted to build those skills because it's helped me. Um progress through the, the the training contract application process i haven't got one yet obviously but oh, you will. i've got We're a fight i'm hungry. exactly <laughs> I, I, yeah in in a couple months time i'll be putting an instagram post on saying that i'm a trainee solicitor for 2023 that's what yes. i was saying um <laughs> but yeah the fact that um at the time she she did you could see there was kind of a disappointment there where she thought like 
she she was the one that was like, oh, my son's going to be a lawyer. He's going to be a lawyer, like telling her friends, like getting excited about that. Um, and my mum's not usually that type of person to be like that, but she, she was just really excited at the fact that I was going to do really well in life because that's all she wanted. Um, so then to turn around and say, I'm going to go down digital marketing, potentially maybe. Go. I didn't actually tell that I was going to go back into uh, go go back into law after that. Um, and she, as much as she wanted to support me um, and, and did, there was still always that hesitation there. Um, but like I said, now that she, she sees how I'm doing now and me explaining to her that I've got these skills, I've, I've got the the... The grades, I suppose. It sounds like I'm bossing about the grades. I'm not. Um, it's, just, it's just that, like, it, it, compared to if I would have done this five years ago, I would not be as kind of good at it as how I as what I am now. I suppose. So yeah, definitely the the what I learned from that is, although people may be disappointed at the time or may disagree with you. I think you do need to stick to your own instincts and stick to what you think is best for you because you don't want to let your parents down. You don't. I don't want to let my mum down. Um, I don't want her to feel disappointed. But in the long run, it's benefited me more because the performance that I'm that I'm at now is different to if I did it five years ago. And also, my mum now feels like she understands exactly why I did it and I think that's the most important thing um learning basically what I've learned from that is that you just have to stay true to yourself and actually just don't listen to other people essentially if if they're disagreeing with something that you feel strong about Mm, definitely I've heard so many stories of people who have like gone down the routes that their parents have wanted them to take and then they end up quote unquote letting them down later in their life because they've struggled so much and then they've just gotten to a breaking point where they just can't do it anymore and then they end up letting their letting their parents down obviously not necessarily but yeah um later in life and then that produces so much more sadness and um just like despair as you said like later in life whereas I feel like if you really stay true to who you are especially at an early age you can then make them proud and then you know later in life if that's what you want um so I definitely completely understand that yeah yeah and I'm sure it was you know really challenging at the time but it's great to see how it's all worked out now um and kind of on that point something you even mentioned which kind of ties into a question we wanted to ask you is what is something you wish you could tell yourself five years ago and then also what you what you wish you could have told yourself a year ago so I think five years ago I would tell myself to chill out a little bit <laughs> I I'm a planner I'm someone that okay in a year's time I need to do this I need to do that well I used to be let's say so obviously five years ago for me um I would have just finished my air levels um and that's that's kind of scary because I got to that point where I was like right yeah, yeah I've got a job in place but is it going to work out? Am I going to build the skills that I want? Am I even going to go back into law? There were all the things that um, well, I say back into law, am I going to start a degree in law? And I think definitely I'd tell myself to just calm down, take a breather, like understand that you're 18 years old. Um, you've got your whole life ahead of you. It's definitely something that it doesn't have to happen to your timeline at all because 
things just don't work out that way. Um, you, you, there'll, there'll be failures along the way. There'll be amazing successes along the way, but it's never, ever, ever going to be the way you expect it to go. But that's the beauty of kind of life is that although it doesn't go the way you want it to, it works out for the best in the long run. And then what I'd say to myself a year ago is to, I'd say chill out, but more stop restricting your abilities based on what you have on your plate compared to other people. Um, so um, in terms of the the social media accounts, um, the podcast wasn't live then, but we, we were starting to plan that. Um, in terms of thinking to myself, I don't go to a university that is, it's even not even ranked, it's the University of Law. They offer the LPC mainly, but they do the LLBs too. Um, so it's like, well, you don't have a Russell, you don't have a Russell group under your belt. You've just got, you've got good A levels, but there's other people out there that have got A star AA and things like that. And that's where I start to, the, the self doubt kicks in a little bit there where I think I want to go to these big firms. I want to, I want to train at like international places, but there's always going to be other people better than you. And that's just something you have to accept, really. There's always going to be... If you've got A-star, A-A-A level, someone else has got A-star, A-star, A. And yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, but then the grades don't even matter at the end of the day. Like, the, the, I've, I've very much selected my firms that, that the, they might have a minimum requirement of um, grades, but they're very invested in the people that they want to train. So they understand that um, not every lawyer fits in a square shaped box it's yeah. there's different personalities there's people bring different things to the table and i want to work because i'm very i'm extroverted i'm very loud i'm not exactly what you'd call like the typical like lawyer i suppose <laughs> even though I'm, I'm not one yet but like in in the years to come when i do become one i'm not going to fit in that typical like oh the the middle class blah 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 like i'm, I'm not from that background at all so so I think going back to what I would previous what what I said about telling myself is that just understand that everyone's unique, everyone's different. You don't have to fit into the same box as everyone else and just chill out and accept that you are doing well for what you want to do. So just believe in yourself a little bit more, I think, because the competition for getting a training contract's high. But if I didn't start believing myself, believing in myself kind of towards the beginning of this year and really focusing on like you deserve a chance for a training contract I don't think I would have got this far in the process because I would have self-doubt would have kicked in and it would have shown it would have shown to these assessment centers that I've been to and the interviews that I've done it would have really kind of shown that like he doesn't believe in himself why should we believe in him kind of thing so chill out take a breather and kind of understand that there's always going to be people better than you, but it's how you believe it, how, what you take from what you do is the main thing, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm feeling very inspired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've been dropping so many jams. And as we come to the end of this episode, I mean, you've already given us so many lessons, but if there was one lesson that gave like sort of holistic uh, overview of what you've spoken about today that you could leave our listeners with, we'd love to hear it. So the lesson that I want to give is essentially you're on your own journey. Stop focusing on other people's paths because 
essentially that's not going to put you to where you want to be you've got to be selfish sometimes you've got to put yourself first in times where it might be training contracts or your career or taking a break from education put yourself first and understand that although other people are doing different things other people might be more ahead than you other people might be behind that doesn't matter because at the end of the day someone getting better grades and having a training contract in place and everything like that does not contribute to your success in life at all and being bitter about it is even worse so focus on your own journey don't let what other people are doing affect the path that you're on and just reach for the stars i think as well like don't limit yourself because anything is a possibility anything Mm. i love 100 agree and i mean thank you so much john for coming on and being so open with your experiences and as elmina said dropping all these gems um before we go you know maybe you could just drop all your social links so that everyone can you know follow your amazing content your youtube your podcast your instagram yeah thank you so thank you for having me for a start i've had a really good time it's my first ever podcast that i've been a guest on as well um <laughs> so my instagram is at law student in leeds um my youtube is also the same website is law student in and then our podcast is the legal social club where we we can do a similar thing we we interview um other people in in the legal industry and get to know them a little bit more so yeah if you, if you want to pop over to my instagram and give me a little follow i'd really appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> you won't be missing out he has amazing content so definitely don't 100%, 100%. even if you're not kind of in the law industry like me it's still great content so 100%. everyone go check that out um, and again thank you so much for coming on jordan um we hope you enjoyed it as well i definitely enjoyed I this experience um and thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next week with another episode Bye, guys.